Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. We got married. We didn't know what we were doing. We had absolutely no idea about how to be married. No one ever told us anything about anything. And I was a terrible husband. I was a Christian. You know, I was saved. But I was dominant. I was verbally abusive. When I got angry, I golfed all the time. When I wasn't working, I was golfing. And after several years of marriage, we were on the brink of divorce. And um, my wife was a praying woman. And um, we almost, I told Karen to get out of the house one night. And I won't give you all the details because I want to get into a little different message for you, but God miraculously saved our marriage. But I, I want to tell you something, that you can find the right one and you can have the marriage of your dreams. Many of your friends and many of the people that you know are fearful of marriage because of what's happening in our society. So does marriage uh, still work anymore? Let me listen to my answer. Absolutely 100% of the time. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You can make it in marriage. God made marriage and God never makes anything to fail. Everything that God makes, he makes perfect and he made marriage perfect. And you were made for marriage. The God that made marriage made you for marriage. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. And you say, well, Jimmy, then how, why are so many people failing in marriage? Because they're not doing it God's way. They're doing it another way. Let me, let me just give you several, several issues here of things that people are doing that are causing their marriages to fail. Number one, they don't trust Jesus to meet their deepest needs. See, no, no human being can meet your deepest needs. All of us have four primary needs in our lives that no person can meet. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. When you woke up this morning, that was what was driving you. I want to be accepted, but I don't want to have to perform for it. So do you realize that most people like us based on what they don't know? Did you know if everybody knew everything about us, they might not like us anymore? But did you know that Jesus knows everything you've ever done or will do, and he loves you more than anybody else? That's what you call acceptance. Doesn't matter how bright your teeth are. Doesn't matter how good your deodorant's working. Jesus loves you all the time. <laughs> but people are very conditional. Did you ever notice that? People are different in the way that they love. But I want you to know that you have a, a friend in heaven. On your worst day, he's your best friend. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Somebody say amen. amen. God is our best friend. That's what you call acceptance. Identity. He made me in my mother's womb. Did you know the Bible says that to he who overcomes, when you get to heaven, God's going to give you a stone with your real name on it? Did you know that only God knows who you really are? A week after, I, a week after Karen and I got married, the Lord called me to preach. And I was sitting in the backyard of our house reading, I think, a book by Billy Graham. I don't even remember. Uh, I didn't know one scripture in the Bible. And I saw a sheet drop down in front of my face. And I saw myself from behind preaching to a multitude of people at 19 years old. There had never been a millisecond in my life I thought of myself as a preacher. 
Two weeks earlier, I was a very immoral, lost person. And Jesus came to me and said, let me tell you who you really are. People can't tell you who you are. Only Jesus made you in your mother's womb. Security. I'm only secure in God. I, I can't be secure in anything other than God. God can protect me from anything and anyone. My security is in God and purpose. I don't want to live to make money. I don't want to live to be popular. I want to live to change the world for Jesus. I want an eternal purpose. You know, a lot of people that kill themselves, they just can't find a reason to live any longer. They get discouraged, they get depressed, and they just they, they can't find a reason to get out of bed and, and live anymore. Let me tell you something. When you live for Jesus Christ and when you live for the kingdom of God, you'll always have a reason to get up the next day. My purpose is not just for myself. My purpose is not just to make money. My purpose is not to be well-liked. My purpose is to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is an eternal purpose. And that's a big purpose. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And if you don't trust Jesus to do that, you're going to trust people to do it. It's called the principle of transference. And every time you try to get a person to meet those needs, you'll ruin that relationship. So listen to what I'm saying. Your daily, personal, trusting, dependent relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important issue in you being a good spouse for someone sometime. When you get married, that person can't meet your deepest needs. And if you expect them to, the, the relationship is set up for uh, d disappointment, disaster from the very beginning. So you were made for marriage, but God has to be in the center of that marriage. And I'm not talking about just having a Christian marriage. I'm talking about you've got to pray. You've got to depend on Jesus. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christian people, they don't depend on Jesus. I want you to make me feel secure. I want you to make me feel like somebody. I want you to accept me. And they get into these fights of, you're not meeting my needs. Well, there are needs in marriage that we meet for each other, but not the deepest ones. Only Jesus Christ can meet our deepest needs. So if you want to be the right one for someone later in life, you need to have a relationship with Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus. And listen, one of the red flags, and we talk about red flags in the book here and how to know the wrong one. But one of the red flags in relationships is when someone puts too much pressure on you and needs from you things that you can't give, the only God can give. So one of the reasons that many marriages fail is because they just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Number two, they make, they make marriage into a contract and not a covenant. Marriage is a covenant relationship. And we've largely lost the concept of covenant in our society. Well, listen to me. Covenant means to cut. You don't make a covenant, you cut a covenant. And remember, when God made marriage, he cut Adam. See, God made, God made Adam out of the dust. Why didn't he make Eve out of the dust? But he cut Adam. Because covenant is a sacrificial, permanent relationship. It's sacrificial and it's permanent. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you make covenant, there has to be blood. There has to be a sacrifice. So it's a sacrificial, permanent relationship. In our society, we've turned marriage into a contract. Let me tell you the difference between a contract and a covenant. A covenant is a sacrificial, permanent relationship that I am going to surrender rights and assume responsibilities. A contract is a superficial, temporary relationship where I'm going to protect my rights and limit my responsibilities. And so uh, uh, God says on day one of our relationship with him, Hebrews 13, 5, on day one of our relationship with God, here's what God says. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you.
Listen, let me tell you what those words mean. I'll never leave means I'll never physically leave. I'll never forsake means in all of eternity, God will never turn his heart away from you. Day one, God does not say, I'm gonna see how good of a Christian you are. And if you're a really good Christian, I'm gonna make you some really neat promises. On day one, God says, I'm all in and I'll never change. And I'll never physically leave you and I'll never turn my heart away from you. Whatever you do, whatever happens in our relationship, I'm all in day one. A contract relationship says this, well, let me say it this way. When a, couple, when a couple gets married in a covenant relationship, here's what they say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death to his part. That's covenant language. And covenant language says there's gonna be tough times, I'm all in. I'm here to stay. And so you're gonna go through tough times in every relationship. And the only commitment that can keep you together is a covenant commitment. But here, here's a contract, living together. A lot of people today are living together. What's wrong with living together? 100% contract mentality. And here's what contract says. Well, I don't, I'm not really ready to commit. Let's just move in. Let's just start living together and kind of play house. I want to see how good you are at taking care of me before I commit. And even after we get married, I may change my mind and a better model may come along. So when you're in a relationship with a person and they want a contract, see, in relationships you get what you pay for and if you want the cheapest, most fragile form of relationship, enter into a contract relationship. It's all about me. I don't want to sacrifice much. I don't want to lose my rights. And I don't want too much responsibility on me. I want to limit my responsibilities. And I want to protect my rights. Covenant says, I'm all in. And I know it's going to hurt. I'm ready for poor. I'm ready for sicker. I'm ready for worse. I'm ready for anything, and the only thing that's going to separate us is death. Not murder, death. <laughs> I'm all in. How many of you are glad that we have a covenant God? And we're in his family, and he's not going to change his mind. And on our bad days, he's not going to change his mind. And when we go through hard times, he's not going to change his mind, because he bled for us. He didn't go to the blood bank and bleed for us. He went to the cross and bled for us. And that's a covenant relationship. Karen and I never talk about divorce. Regardless of what happens, we're all in. And a lot of the reason that marriage is failing in our society, God created it as a covenant. It only works as a covenant relationship. Number three reason that marriages fail is because people break the laws of marriage. Um, the, the laws of marriage are in Genesis chapter two. I had no idea that there were laws of marriage. And by the way, laws create order. I'm a pilot, I fly a plane, and there are laws of aerodynamics. It creates order. There's, there's no chance a plane's just gonna fall out of the air. If you follow the laws of aerodynamics, flying is the safest form of transportation. Marriage is the safest relationship on earth. Today, with all of its warts, you cannot find a relationship on earth today that is safer than marriage. And when you do it God's way, it's 100% safe because there are laws. Well, where are the laws? Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. Well, I had no idea that those were the laws of marriage. But when God created marriage, this is right after God created Adam and Eve, this is what God said. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, the law of priority. The marriage has to be first. Okay, 
For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. Your father and mother are the most important relationship in your life. Well, when Karen and I got married, I golfed. And when I would come home, and I was a very good golfer. And when I came home from playing golf, Karen would resent it because I golfed all the time. Well, my marriage wasn't first. I was breaking the law of priority and it almost destroyed our relationship. Listen, marriage has to come before children. Marriage has to come before parents. Marriage has to come before church. Marriage has to come before friends. Marriage has to be first. It's the first law of marriage. Law number two, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Well, the word cleave doesn't make sense in our language, but it means to pursue with all of your energy. We're commanded in Deuteronomy five times to cleave unto the Lord our God. Marriage is work. You have to work at marriage. A lot of people think, well, if I marry my perfect soulmate, then I'm just gonna wake up every day and hallelujah, here it's good. It's, I just feel so good. Oh, I don't have to work at this relationship because I found my soulmate. We matched in all 1,300 categories. Let me tell you something. You marry your perfect soulmate, you're gonna have to work at that relationship. It's like anything else in life. In what area of life would you wanna give something no energy and expect us to see? There's no other area that we apply that principle to except for marriage. And so I'm saying marriage is work, but it's great work. When you work at your marriage, marriage thrives. And by the way, the reason that you fall in love is you work at it. You knock yourself out. You know, you smell good, you look good, you, you know, pay attention to what you're saying, you pursue each other and you fall in love. How do you fall out of love? You just give up, take each other for granted. Stop working at it. And, and there are a lot of people, honestly, they think there's something wrong if they have to work at their marriage. Marriage is work. God said it from the very beginning. God says that for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave it to his wife, they too shall become one flesh. Marriage is about sharing everything. It's called the law of possession. When you get married, you share everything with your spouse. Of course, I was selfish and I was dominant. Dominance destroys the spirit of relationship because dominance says I'm not sharing, I'm in control. I will not share myself with you. I will not share uh, decisions and ideas with you. Karen and I never talk about who the head of our home is because Jesus Christ is the head of our home. And every single decision we make in our marriage, we make together and we don't bully each other and we don't make each other pay a price for telling the truth. We sit down, we talk, we pray and every, every significant decision we make, we make together and we're one. There's not one decision in our home or in our family or in our lives, not one decision that we didn't make together, any significant decision. So we're not divided, we're together. And that's the way that God made marriage. Selfish people cannot succeed in marriage because selfish people will not share. And selfish people don't want to cooperate. They want, to, they want their own way. The number four law, it says the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. It's the law of purity. God made uh, Adam and Eve completely exposed to each other, uh, physically, but also mentally, emotionally, until they sinned. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they could no longer be intimate, but they began to hide themselves behind fig leaves. And here's the principle. If we're careful in how we behave and we take responsibility for our issues, we can be intimate without fear. But when we begin to hurt each other and sin against each other and don't take responsibility, it's just too sensitive. I cannot open my heart to a person who's not careful. And I won't open my heart to you because the things that you say and do and you don't take responsibility for it. I was not a good husband. I was verbally abusive. I was dominant. And Karen completely shut down on me. And when I changed and I repented and I began to be different, 
Karen began to open up. We, she, Karen said something to me one time when I changed. And I hung up my golf clubs. I stopped golfing. I started being a better husband. And Karen said something to me one day. And I said, how long have you been thinking that? She said, years. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, I couldn't. I was not her safe place. You should be your spouse's safe place. You should be the safest place in the world for your spouse to be able to share it. But if they can only do that if you're careful and if you take responsibility for your issues. Okay, so that's, that's my first question. Does marriage work anymore? Absolutely, but Jesus has to be first. It has to be a covenant relationship and you have to obey the laws of God. And what I just told you there in the last 15 minutes, that's 90% of what it takes to succeed in marriage. You don't have to fear marriage. Marriage is the most secure relationship on earth, but it works God's way. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You know, our, our program and our ministry is called Marriage Today, and uh, we help people succeed at being married, but it begins really with the dating experience. And really until now, we have not had a resource to give people uh, for their kids or for themselves if they're single to help to prepare to date and to marry. And so the teaching you just watched there is from Gateway Church, their college group, and that was simulcast across the country to other college groups. But we want to empower high school, college-age people, singles of any age, to know how to date and marry. And the, the trick there is the Bible doesn't talk about dating because in the biblical culture, it was courting and betrothing, and it was a much different culture that included the families. And we're not trying to go back into the past and be prudes or anything like that, but we have to admit the system is broken right now. Mm -hmm. The way that people are dating right now in our culture, it's broken, and it's breaking a lot of people, their bodies, their hearts, and rather than preparing them properly for marriage, it literally is doing the opposite. It's breaking them so badly that it's hard for them to be married successfully. So we talk in the book about a lot of different issues that help prepare to date and marry properly at any age. But we want to begin with high school. High school groups and churches, if you are a, a, a church leader, uh, we, want, we have a workbook that goes with the book, uh, the, the right one. And it's for high school groups, college groups, singles groups, any group to help you sit down and talk through the issues of how to properly date and marry so that you can do it properly with God's blessing. So Karen, we have some mm -hmm. questions from our viewers. Uh, my fiance and I really enjoy being together, but I wonder if I'm setting, settling in order to be married, how do you know when you're marrying the right person? Well, that's a really great question because what, one of the things that we do uh, in the book is we talk about expectations, um, having the right expectations. We talk about red flags. You know, if you're dating and you see red flags, how do I identify red flags that say that there's something wrong here? And either we've got to settle this or we, we shouldn't be getting married. Uh, we talk about intentional dating, knowing why you're dating. Not because you say, we enjoy being together, but I, I don't know if she's the right one or not. We go through so many issues in the book, and I can say this, if you read through this book, and especially if you and your girlfriend read through this book together, you will know, because we, we bring up everything in the book that you need to be talking about and you need to be thinking about 
And if she's not the right one for you, you don't need to settle for, mm -hmm. for that. But let me say this. You also don't need to waste two or three years of your life being with a person that's not the right one. Mm -hmm. If you're of marrying age, you know, if, if you're not with the right person, you need to find out so that you can go and, and continue to pray and seek God for the right person that's out there. But, but we do encourage you to either buy the book, the workbook, or whatever, because it will really help you to think through issues that you don't think about normally. See, 33 years ago, I began in ministry as a pre-marriage counselor. And what I did for a living was to take couples through pre-marriage counseling. 20% of the couples I took through pre-marriage counseling didn't get married. Mm -hmm. And not because I was a bad marriage counselor. <laughs> it's because in the process of the pre-marriage counseling, they realized they weren't compatible. I had people break up in my office because we would bring up an issue and they would sit right there and say, I'm not, we, in one counseling situation, we found out the husband wanted the, the fiance, man, wanted six children, she wanted two. And she said, I'm not having six children. She, he said, yes, you are. <laughs> and she said, you're not having them by me. And they broke up, it was a deal breaker because they were both saying, what if you don't discuss issues like that? Mm -hmm. And then you get married and find out, you know, you're supposed to have six babies and you don't want to. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things like that we need to discuss, but the, the Right One book is a great resource to help you think through and talk through issues so you don't end up marrying mm -hmm. the wrong person. And we, we hope that this information is helpful to you. Uh, let, let me say this, the, everything that we do here at Marriage Today is for the purpose of helping people succeed in marriage. And again, the Bible doesn't talk about dating. The Bible talks about marriage, but the Bible assumes that there is a culture that honors the parents, that dates non-sexually, and that the courtship is for the purpose of finding out that you're compatible. That's what we encourage. We encourage you to respect authority, to respect the family of the person that you're dating, for you to date in a non-sexual way, and for you to date to explore to not just to enjoy the relationship and keep from having fights, but to discover the other person to make sure you're talking about everything so that you know each other when you're getting married. Today, sometimes people are getting married in America today spending millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on weddings, and they do no pre-marriage preparation whatsoever. It needs to be the opposite. Spend a lot less money on your wedding and spend more money getting ready for your wedding, and you'll have a lot happier life. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.